It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, wow, Apple has a system set up to help you as a parent monitor and control how much screen time they have. But kids are smarter than Apple. Wait till you hear what I have to share with you. And coming up later, as we move into the heavy Christmas shopping season, there's a new warning about what hackers are up to that you need to know, you need to be aware of. I'm going to give you some precautions to take, particularly when you shop online through the holiday season. Clark.com is our main website. And speaking of deals for the holiday season... ClarkDeals.com is where we post deals for you day and night for you to stretch every dollar. So I get my son up for middle school each morning at 6.40 a.m. And I can't even begin to tell you what it's like trying to get him out of bed at 6.40 a.m. And this is a story anybody with teenagers can relate to and teenagers tend to want to stay up late and sleep late it's part of their natural rhythm Uh, a lot of researchers believe that the circadian rhythms of a child are different than an adult and that kids benefit from as an example starting school later because they're going to go to bed later. You don't, a kid doesn't go to bed earlier because he or she needs more sleep. They go to bed when their body is like ready to do so, but they have to get up on the schedule the school requires. Well, when I drive my son to school in the morning, we go by two schools that start high school appreciably later than his school. So we have no traffic getting past those two schools because they've adjusted their start time to account for the differing sleep patterns of a teenager. And I believe that this is something, and they're both private schools that have done that, that have adjusted the start time for high school to be a later start time. And now the state of California has passed a law that's going to require that of school districts, public school districts in the state of California. It's going to be phased in, except in rural areas where the economics may prevent schools from starting later at the high school level so that kids can perform better, uh, potentially reduce problems of teen depression. Who knows if the sleep cycle will specifically affect that, the anxiety and depression issues. But I think it's really, if we want kids to succeed in school, we don't need them in school three quarters asleep. And I think there's a real advantage to letting kids start later once they hit the teenage years, just because they will perform better. I saw an item in the Dayton Daily News that the state of Ohio is now considering in its legislature having a a law requiring a later start for high schools. And the American Academy of Pediatrics says that it's normal that a teen will not be interested in sleeping 
till after 11 p.m. And so we need to recognize that. And the idea that you're going to suddenly change that, I don't know how just by mandating an earlier start time you change that. But I wonder, the people I've talked to who grew up on dairy farms and as teenagers were up at 3 a.m. working on the farm before they went to school, did they never get any sleep? Or did their bodies eventually adjust and they would actually go to bed earlier? I've milked a cow one time in my life. It was not a good experience. Evie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Clark? Great, thank you. How can I be of service to you today? Well, my lovely 90-year-old father, which I absolutely adore, by accident gave out his Social Security number last week. And... I believe it was, he said it was the Social Security that called him and they guaranteed him some prize or something. So he gave out his Social Security number. Uh, we had to do some work on at, at the bank trying to, to, to stop any type of identity theft. I just need some advice. I don't know what steps I should take so that his number doesn't get used or, you know, what your advice would be. So I can't prevent every possible way that a criminal may try to cause mischief by having your dad social. But the one thing you can do that will eliminate most possible problems is to help your dad freeze his credit files with the three major credit bureaus. It's free to do so. It will take you, if you're sitting with your dad, um, does your dad use a computer or do you need to take a laptop over? No, and unfortunately he's out of state. So I I have frozen, I opened up two accounts and I have frozen two of them. I mean, uh, you know, the credit bureau Oh, great. Just do that with with the third one. Okay. And you will have done the proper and right steps is for your dad answering the phone and trusting somebody on the phone that's common with people that are older because they grew up in a different era where uh, we didn't have all the con artists that we have today right Right. and that's that's the thing that's so sad and he's beside himself and he knew as soon as he gave it out he said oh lord what have i done so you know i'm just trying to make sure there's no fires credit cards should i have him possibly call his credit card companies and issue out new cards Would no that no because he didn't if he didn't give any of those numbers no that he did not it was the, just the social security number yeah if the social security number is what he gave that would be the one that you would need to be concerned about there's one step i should have mentioned um that comes before doing the credit freeze and that is that you should set up a mysocialsecurity.gov account for him. At socialsecurity.gov, you can set up something where uh, you can track that nobody is playing games trying to steal his social security checks. Oh, that'll be great. Okay. But okay. if uh, here's the weird thing. Social security relies upon Equifax to determine whether or not somebody is who they say they are. So you can only set up the continuing access if an Equifax credit file is thawed. Have you already done the freeze with Equifax? Yes, I have. So you would have to temporarily thaw that one. And then you set up the the My Social Security. Okay. And then you let it freeze back. And then you'd be able to 
continually monitor that nobody's playing games with his Social Security benefits. Oh, that'll be great. Okay, that's terrific. And I'm really sorry this happened. The great news Mm. is that a lot of people, when they're older and they get scammed, are embarrassed and don't tell their kids. Yeah. So it's really really great that he told you because you're going to be able to be both be on the watch and you will have taken steps to limit the damage. Yes, sir. I'm trying I'm trying my best. I just want him to be able to sleep at night and not have to worry about anything. Well, that's great, and you're a wonderful daughter to be watching out for him. Philip is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Philip. Hi, Clark. Philip, how can I be of service to you? Yes, sir. Um, so I emailed in with a question. I... I have three sisters, one of whom recently went through separation and divorce. Um, the she doing she okay now? Yeah, she is. She's making the best of it, but okay. you know it's definitely challenging. Right. Know, along. Um, however, with regards to my sister who got divorced, um, after everything kind of had finalized, she discovered that her credit score had taken a pretty significant hit. And up until the separation and divorce, she hadn't really been using the credit that much. And throughout that process, she limited herself. And ultimately, she canceled a lot of the cards. And so the question I had for you was with regards to her her score dropped, like, the better part of 160 points. From what to what, that, approximately? Uh, from 815 to 645 currently. And the only change that happened was she closed several accounts? Yeah, yes, sir. She closed some of the accounts out, and she wasn't really using it in probably about a six-month window from now till about March. She more or less has foregone using that as a, a means for paying bills and whatnot. All right, um, so, so, there was so we need to inactivity. talk. We need to talk because um, there are different scoring models that are used. Yeah. And the situation you described sounds like it's what's known as a Vantage score instead of a real FICO score. Because under the Vantage scoring model, closing accounts is devastating immediately for someone's credit score. The good news is that very few lenders ever use the Vantage scoring model. The real model that most lenders use is known as the FICO score. Mm-hmm. And the FICO score, I'd be very surprised that would have fallen from the low 800s to the mid 600s simply from closing accounts, particularly if she has very little use of the credit cards that she has. Yeah, I, I didn't think to ask her when I was trying to get facts last night about that what you mentioned, the difference in the credit scores. I, my suspicion is that it actually is the FICO score, though, because uh, she told me that she got her score from Equifax recently because she ran into some issues with them when she tried to freeze her credit. Right, so process. just because she got the score from Equifax, uh, mm-hmm. Equifax is one of the owners of the Vantage score. So oh. it, it could very likely be a Vantage score. And so on her credit card statements or signing into the online access to the credit cards she has, many credit cards now give you your actual FICO score for free. Yes. They yes. buy it every month. She should go online and see, is 
her FICO score really under the kind of distress you're talking about. If it's a Vantage score, it's not that important. But sure. closing accounts is risky. When you close accounts, it can impact your score because the, the on the real scoring model, the FICO score, the mm-hmm. amount of your credit that you're using accounts for about a third of what makes up your credit score. Exactly, it's 30%. Yeah. So when I remember you, you talking about that. <laughs> so when you have a smaller number of cards, it raises what's known as your utilization with the balances you have. Sure. And that can actually, that can lower your score, the kind of numbers she set. But if she's using, if she has very little money outstanding on cards, mm-hmm. that would not likely be the cause and it would be very surprising that she would have had a big drop in score. So has she ever signed up for Credit Karma? I think she has. I'll double check with her. She's always been a very good steward of her finances and just like in terms of a risk profile, very low risk, good on payments and all that. They so, prior to the divorce, they, they have been really good on, on you know, their mortgage payments and all that stuff. So, yeah. Well, I think I want her to do more digging. I'm I'm hoping that this is a false concern and that this is because of the inferior modeling that uh, I believe that Vantage represents. And I would bet that an actual FICO score would still keep her close to the range she's been in unless there's some other factor she hasn't shared with you about what kind of balances could be outstanding on her cards. The one other factor is if she had any joint cards with her now former husband, if there are any cards that he defaulted on, that could easily drop her score those number of points. Today's Clark Rageous moment is about how our kids are smarter than we might realize and a lot smarter than big companies might think. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. Apple and Google, to their credit, have both tried to design systems that give parental controls the power so that you can prevent your kids from having too much screen time. So the idea is that parents around the world are extremely worried about their kids becoming addicted to looking at screens, whether it's tablets, laptops, computers, um, phones, whatever. And so the idea of what both Apple and Google have done is they have come up with systems where parents can go on and, in theory, shut down kids' devices at a certain time or after so much time or whatever. And there was a report about screen time, which is the Apple system that kids, very young kids, have figured out how to defeat the screen time system. And Apple has put its best effort into trying to make this work. But according to a number of organizations, including the safety group Protect Young Eyes, Kids have figured out how to beat the system, which is something my own son told me about, how easy it was to defeat it. What I want you to know as a parent 
is that because of all the social networks, including Reddit, that your kids are on, whenever a big bureaucratic company like Google or Apple comes up with some kind of software, a kid is going to figure out how to do it, and then they're immediately going to post it, and other kids are going to know. Here's the truth. The way you're going to control your kid's screen time is you're going to have to be involved as a parent maybe more than you are right now. You might even have to have a rule that their devices don't go to their room with them and they're charged in a central place in the house and that way you don't have to worry, unless the kids sneak down to their devices, that they're on them without you knowing. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where you go to save money when you're looking for things to buy. And speaking of which, we got to talk. There is a new problem coming to online shopping for this Christmas shopping season. And it's known as e-skimming. And there was a lengthy investigative report in the Detroit Free Press about the problems with e-skimming. Here's what's happened and what you need to know. Criminals from Russia and elsewhere in Eastern Europe have infiltrated the checkout systems of many different online sellers, travel suppliers, retail stores, you name it. They have gotten inside, and when you go to check out, they're able to capture all kinds of information. Now, remember, when you buy something online, what are people getting? Well, they're getting your credit card number, expiration date, the three-digit code for uh, credit cards, except American Express has a four-digit code. They're getting all that information, including your name and, and, and address. So then what a criminal does is they take that information and they use that credit card number they just got and they're off to the races buying stuff wherever they want. Here's the difficult part. There's nothing you can look for as a sign that a checkout at a retailer or an airline or anything like that has been compromised. They don't even know they've been compromised. And so it's lurking there, grabbing your information, and then criminals buy what they want. Now, one of the interesting things in the story from the Detroit Free Press is that there are advertisements on the web where Russian speakers living in the United States are being offered jobs to receive the merchandise that's being bought with these cards and then send the merchandise overseas to the crooks in Russia or wherever they are in Eastern Europe. This is really creepy. So what can you do as a consumer? Well, there are certain things you need to know. And this is the absolute number one recommendation is you do not shop online with a debit card because that is deadly to your finances because it attaches directly to your checking account. And a criminal who then uses that debit card number 
is emptying the money out of your checking account, and then you have a tough road in front of you because the banks get to be the judge, jury, and executioner and decide if they're going to give you your own money back. They automatically are suspicious of you because the criminals have your three-digit pen. So they're going to assume that it's you or a dishonest family member who is doing the purchases, and they may, may well deny your claim for reimbursement. Remember, under the law, under federal law, you do not have equivalent protections with a debit card that you have with a credit card. Dangerous, more dangerous than ever to use a debit card online. Number two, it is to your advantage to use one of those systems from Apple or that's on an iPhone or from Google on an Android where a credit card number is stored in their system that is then used to make a purchase. That there is a direct advantage to that. Number three, using a credit card, and our producer Kim was a pioneer on this five or six years ago, using one-time use credit cards for online shopping. Now, a number of issuers offer this. You just have to ask for it. And every time you buy something online, it generates a one-time use card number. And so after that one transaction, that number is dead to the world. So a criminal who captures that number with an e-skimmer technology can't do anything with it. And as far as what you need to do besides that, you might consider with a credit card, if you're not doing any of these things, is designate one credit card for your Christmas shopping online and use that card only for that purpose. And when the statement comes in, go through those charges right away. You have 60 days to dispute if phony charges are on your account. But the reason you want to cordon off your online shopping to a single card is if it is compromised, you only have to worry about the, that one card number. If you use multiple card numbers shopping online and criminals compromise them, You've got all kinds of stuff you've got to do with changing card numbers, and if you have things set up with automatic payments to credit cards, you have to deal with that as well. And just know the, the crooks are working overtime to try to separate you from your money, and you got to be careful. Katie is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Katie. Hi. Katie, you have seven people in your household. I do, and a dog. <laughs> wow. You got a big household going. We do, we do. So what's the youngest child to the oldest child? My youngest is two, my oldest is 13. Okay. You got a lot going on there, Stair Steps. <laughs> yes. Well, how can I be of service to you? Well, um, you know, over the years, my grocery budget continues to get um, larger and larger, and um, I just am wondering, what is a realistic amount for me to be spending for a family of my size on my household, you know, expenses? So food and toilet paper and, you know, shampoo and those kinds of things. Because I, I, I set these goals of what I'm going to 
try to spend less than this and then it's it's really hard to reach it. And so I'm wondering if maybe my expectations are unrealistic. So I, I'm not going to get into that because, you know, I start talking about, well, you should be spending this on this and this on that and this on the other. I don't want to get you into a guilt mode with yourself. Okay. Because you got a lot going on in that household. Sure. And as the kids get, you said your oldest is 13, is that what you said? Yeah, so she's in middle school. Yeah, so, you know, the kids hit teenage years and somehow they eat quantities of food that you just can't picture that they're going <laughs> to consume. True. And so there, there are certain things you can do that may help you reduce that budget. And okay. one of them is there are apps that we've tested that can help you save money. One in particular that our team is like is Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, okay. which offers you, essentially it's like a rebate program, reward program for the shopping you do. So it puts some money back in your pocket. Second, for groceries, have you considered or do you have available to you an Aldi? We do, yes. And do you shop there? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, I usually alternate between that and uh, Kroger. Okay, Kroger, the nation's second largest supermarket chain. Aldi is either already the third largest or soon will be. Um, you know, if you're shopping at Aldi, you don't even have to worry about sales. Kroger is what's known as a high-low retailer, which means okay. that their regular prices are not exactly a deal, but their sale prices are great. There's a huge spread at Kroger between their regular prices and their sale prices. I'd say okay. the discipline is that if it's not on sale and you're in a Kroger, you don't buy it. Okay. And uh, But Aldi, if you, if you like their store brands, you're going to save typically 40% on your grocery bill. That'd be nice. <laughs> and as far as meals, how do you plan your meals? Because you've got an age range and not everybody's going to be excited about the same food. Sure. We, I usually plan a week in advance of what we're going to make. Well, I would bet that you are doing really good things to save money. Where do you buy the things like the household supplies, toilet paper, paper towels, uh, things you need for your home? Where are you buying those? Um, often Target because it's very convenient to do their uh, pickup. You know, I can either drive up so sure. I can order it and then drive and they just bring it out to the car um, or sometimes Costco. Yeah, so I would say that as much as Target's a great store, but the profit margins are a lot higher at Target than they are at Costco. And, okay. it, and if you can buy those things, Kirkland Signature, they will deliver a lot of the non-perishables to you for free if, okay. you, if you hit a certain minimum order size. And so I think in your case, what you buy, where you buy is what's really going to matter. And sure. in the supermarket, whether it's Kroger or Aldi or wherever you buy your groceries, sticking to what a lot of experts at grocery shopping talk about, sticking to the outside of the store and avoiding the inside aisles because the highest margin items tend to be in the inside aisles in a supermarket. The outside is going to be uh, typically your fresh produce, your fresh items, 
perishables, your meats, and the things that are going to get you more bang for every dollar than you're going to have with the processed foods that are in the interior of a store. Okay, that's great to know. And every time something's on sale that you know your family's going to use, if you can afford to stock up on it, stock up on it. And I, I don't know if you have, a, I'm thinking about all the convenience things for you with how many people are in your household and time is a huge thing for you. If you have a Sam's Club near you, Sam's, if you are their uh, plus member, their more expensive membership, you can order most anything in the store and have free delivery. And most items are sold at the same price, free delivery, no minimum order as they are in the store. And that could be a convenience thing for you with not having to go in somewhere to shop and still be able to get very low prices on those items. William is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, William. Hi, Clark. William, you're going to retire. Yep, next year. Are you excited or are dreading that? Well, um, I'm excited. It's uh, I'm ready. Um, I guess uh, what I need is um, I'm looking for a financial advisor and to help me with the transition. And I'm just wondering what questions I need to ask when I'm shopping for one. Well, when you're looking for a financial planner to guide you, the number one thing that is a differentiator is you want to make sure that the person is truly what's known as a fiduciary, that the advice they give by law is advice that is to your best interests. Because the big problem in the financial advice industry is a huge percent of the people in it are not fiduciaries. They are not required by law to do what's best for you. And I have a brand new, it's funny you're calling about this, because this is a brand new article that we just posted earlier today on Clark.com about the, the information you require that someone you're considering talking to, that you require they send you first so you know that they're legit before you even would consider talking to them. And, mm-hmm. and you want to hire somebody that you pay him or her either for his or her time or you pay them a percent for managing your money for you. And you can go either way. But in either case, it's got to be somebody who legally, contractually, is only doing what's best for you. And okay. the legal standard is called fiduciary. Uh-huh. So I would recommend that uh, first, I like for people to look for people on NAPFA, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. I like for people to look at Garrett Planning Network. Uh, and I, I want you to read this article on hiring a fee-only financial planner because it will help you immediately cut to the chase with somebody where there's no wiggle room at all. They're either working for you or they're not. And you can know immediately with the questions you ask and the proof they provide before you'd ever sit down with them. It doesn't mean just because somebody's doing the right thing 
it doesn't mean that they're the right person for you. You have to have a, a good connection personality-wise. You have to feel a good connection with them. But first, you got to make sure that they're only in business to serve you. Patrick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Patrick, I got to tell you a funny thing. You want to know the best deal on getting uh, photos printed and developed, right? Or printed. Do you know that that used to be something people called us about all the time? Really? I can't remember the last time anybody asked us because so many people's pictures are just trapped in their phones. Well, so are mine. But, you know, there are some that I would like to uh, have printed, you know, to maybe frame and just... You know, keep for uh, for the future, just in case. You know, uh, um, memory fails on the computer or or on the SD card or whatever it is that I'm storing it on. So I just thought I would ask about that sort of thing because I see these ads for free pence all the time, but I figure there must be a catch because you used to say, you know, if something sounds like it's too good to be true, then it yeah. probably is. So and I'm it is with the photo if, development. If I might be better off looking, um, you know, at one of the uh, discount warehouse clubs or something like that versus online. Yeah, so with a lot of the offers you see that promote free prints, they get you on shipping charge, typically. So it's not free at all. Are you an Amazon Prime member? Yes. Right, so Amazon, in my opinion, is probably the go-to now for Prime members to get prints done. They charge a very low price. You know, the standard four by sixes, I think, are 12 cents a print. No minimum number to get your free shipping. And I think it's just a bona fide great deal. And they've got all the different sizes. The prices, of course, go up exponentially as you get larger prints. Costco is 17 cents for a print. And uh, I forgot what Sam's Club is, but... From what I've checked recently, this is an area where Amazon is offering the cleanest deal. And if somebody's not an Amazon Prime member like you are, you just have to run up a $15 bill printing pictures, and then you get free shipping from Amazon anyway, even if you're not Prime. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.